0: Lorenzo. And this is the Popside Opinion Fest. Hello kittens, welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T and Your T Tom Fitzgerald. and I'm here with the Low and Your t Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you, Lorenzo? I'm fine. Uh, we both have fully trimmed I beards. Know. We look amazing. We are so <laughs> tight and out of sight right now. Um we both had appointments this week to get our beards professionally trimmed and in my case to get my hair cut. And you look because very Lorenzo happy. is uh a beautiful bald man working a beautiful bald yes. crown, but I still ha- have hair. <laughs>
1: and
0: uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> now it only means I have to pay hundreds of dollars more per year to take care of it mm-hmm. when you can just, you know, run a razor over your head.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my Why God. Why is Miss Daisy here? Miss Daisy's here. Who never makes an Are appearance you? during. Um, our podcast but she wants to be part of things she's not happy with mu Mew's um um you 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 said the name you shouldn't say the name i know when the mics are live don't say the name okay so um yeah so we're looking tight white now to sight and we're really feeling our entry back into the world uh it's it's actually happening and uh it feels great right are you full of yeah i mean uh yeah, are you I'm, full I'm of, ready. Yeah, I think you are. I I'm think a ready. lot of your um, anxiety has faded away no, in the last I'm, week. I'm eating
1: healthy again. Oh, well. I'm <laughs>
0: yeah, we're trying to get rid of our COVID bellies.
1: <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready.
0: Okay, so uh, speaking of ready, let's get ready for... Uh, I'm really excited about this podcast because it, it's entirely devoted to one of our favorite topics, which is right. costume design. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about Cruella, which we watched last night. We saw a screener for it last night. We have to be a little careful because we're embargoed from giving too much away. But we can talk a little we bit. We can't
1: of, review it. Yeah,
0: not, not in any great sense. But we'll get into our initial thoughts, which we we're right. allowed to give, initial impressions. And we really want to talk about why you should pay attention to the costume design by... Um, uh Jenny Jenny Beeman, Be- uh, Bevan Bevan, Bevan yeah, the world Jenny famous and uh, award-winning costume designer who has really done if she doesn't get an Oscar nomination, there's no point in it. Um, and then we're following that up with an interview. We haven't done an interview yeah. on the podcast in so long. We're, we're bringing them back. We're bringing them back and bringing them back into style. No, but we sat down with the costume designer for Halston. The uh, Netflix bio series uh, based on the legendary designer's life starring uh, Ewan McGregor, costume designer Jeriana San Juan sat down with us. And it was a fun little um, illuminating conversation, especially about that intersection between fashion, when fashion intersects with costume design. Mm -hmm. Which isn't always the case, because if you're doing, like, I don't know, a caveman movie, or you're a costume designer on a science fiction movie or something like that, there are other considerations. But when you are a costume designer telling a story about fashion designers... Uh, there's, it's a
1: different story. It's
0: a different story. And that's actually the connection here between these two is because um, these two topics is because Cruella, to our surprise, I did not realize, is entirely about fashion, the world of fashion design.
1: I couldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, I, again, we're not going to get too far into it. And there's nothing against us giving, you know, but we're not really going to get into the plot or anything like that. But yeah, it is the most fashion Disney movie I've ever seen the most fashion-oriented that was deliberately about runway shows and collections and pinning fabric onto dress mm. forms and stuff. That is and literally entirely what the movie is about. Um, I
1: was in heaven the whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we can say, listen, if you follow us, if you read our site, um, we have been sort of eye-rolly every right. time a bit of promotional material came out about this movie because... I mean, like, a, a lot of people, we weren't sure that Emma Stone was the right casting for this part. And we also weren't really all that into, like, you don't have to tell the origin story of every villain or every mm-hmm. side character or everything like that. Um, You know, like Maleficent style. You don't have to do that. And, you know, there's a good argument to be made. Why would you even want to do it about a character who tries to kill puppies? Like, right. there's a point at which mm-hmm. maybe you shouldn't try and rehabilitate them. Um, So we had a lot of... And we felt weird about the way the film's aesthetic co-ops the art and aesthetic of uh, anarchist cultural movements and punk. And it very deliberately um, pulls from those influences in the marketing of the movie. And because the bulk of the movie is set in like 1977 London... Uh, the movie looks like it attempts to do a sort of Disney version of punk, or punk filtered through a Disney lens. Um, I think, and I don't think it's as bad as I'm making it sound. No, I actually, think
1: the the promotion, uh, the way they promoted the movie, was heavily influenced by TikTok and all the the you know the right. social media uh, platforms. It was very visual, you know, aggressive, and and it just felt a little weird. Uh, for the topic because we know the character. Everybody and knows the it's character. It's Disney, like. yeah, right. Yeah. But no, I mean, it was. I was. I wasn't expecting anything. Um, didn't know anything. Right. Um, just was blown away by the movie.
0: Don't get me wrong. It's not like a documentary version of the London <laughs> punk scene in the seventies. That's not what it is. It is Disney. Um, but it is the most stylish Disney movie I've ever seen. It's.
1: One of the most, like, I, I always check the costumes when I'm watching a movie. I'm always fascinated by the costume. But this one, I was like, oh, my God. Every single look.
0: Was uh, couture worthy. It's just
1: insane. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, Jenny Bivan bevan bevan we went through like three different pronunciations yes. anyway, so i'm gonna get it Hopefully we wrong. have the right one it's jenny bevan i mean we actually looked it up just you know various videos and in each video someone pronounced it differently so hopefully it's jenny bevan we went with the british guy's pronunciation since she's english so it's jenny bevan um uh oh uh, she pulled the influence and you called it you saw it on screen and then we went and looked up her interviews with her and you were like, this is McQueen. This is Westwood. Um, There's a lot of Westwood Mm -hmm. because she's so identified with the London punk fashion scene. Um, But there's also a lot of McQueen because he took his inspiration. He came much later, but he took his inspirations from that scene. Um, uh, She gave, this is what I, I just, have to say this is why I love costume design so much. Why I love talking about costume designers so much is because she gave an interview, I believe it was for Vogue where she was talking about a process and she said, I, I'm not really into fashion all that much. And it is hilarious for her to right. read that because if you look at this movie, you would, you would have thought Anna Winter was the costume designer right, right. on this movie. Um, and that to me is what makes costume designers so great is because um, it's fine that fashion design is, a, is an expression of a specific person's aesthetic. I'm not putting that down. But a costume designer doesn't express their... Uh, it's not about their vision of the world or it's about making the vision of the story mm-hmm. and the characters come true. So Jenny Bevan isn't into fashion, but the characters are. So Jenny Bevan, as a very good costume designer, went about designing some of the most drop-dead fashion seen on film i'm not kidding in the last decade you said devil wears prada was the, the last, last time, time. yes that's you the had last seen time i was that level in love with, yeah with, and, with fashion and you were even saying you were like is that Givenchy, Givenchy? is that yeah and i was
1: like no she made all of this it's, it could it's pass incredible. yeah incredible um i like i said i always pay attention to the costumes but in this movie he's just every single look i was like oh my god this is so beautiful yeah Everything about it is just gorgeous. And yes, they're going... I mean, she went for like this very like completely over the top over the top look it's not
0: it's disney it's not realistic
1: every single look it's way over the top but at the same time you can see that going down the runway in a couture show absolutely um you can i mean you just like oh my god these are absolutely and we're not fantastic. just talking
0: about emma stone's costume no uh, um there's a lot of background characters that are dressed in in very high fashion costumes and then of course there's uh emma thompson who also plays a fashion designer and the, the whole, uh, without getting into the plot, the whole point is that one of them is an establishment fashion designer, and that's Emma Thompson, and the other one is a punk, mm-hmm. and that's Emma Stone. So Thompson's costumes are a lot more, you know, um, classic and mature, and but it's still high fashion. They right. still look, lots of turbans, um,
1: but she looked I can't remember the last time Emma
0: Thompson looked that good on film. She
1: looked amazing, and um, her costumes were inspired by the or uh, the. Yeah, you can see that. Um, all that fifties and, and a little bit of sixties. She's but, very
0: corseted in this film. Yes,
1: it's, she looks absolutely amazing. She does. I mean, she looks so gorgeous every single look. In um, Emma Stone, also, yeah. I mean, she's she's gorgeous all the looks are gorgeous there's one specific look i'm not going to give it away um but that i actually turned to you and And you were like no she didn't and i meant the costume designer no she did not this is so freaking amazing (laughs) yeah it's just
0: one of the most amazing dress reveals and i'm not talking about the one where she burns the white that's actually oh my
1: god that's 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 nothing that's nothing compared to everything else
0: (laughs) um just, uh, yeah, uh, just an amazing, um, amazing job that really, really took us by surprise. I also want to bring up before the... you do that, can okay. I talk a second? Yes. Let's shift over to another of our favorite thing. topics <laughs> is our Bomba socks, which I swear to you, I swear to you, we're both wearing them yes, right we at are. this moment. Um, I know we say that all the time, but, I, uh, but it's true. My drawer is like 95% Bombas mm-hmm. sock. My sock drawer is 95% Bombas socks now. In fact, I just got some dress socks from them because I'm like, that's the one kind of sock from Bombas I don't have. And I haven't even started reading the copy yet. Lots of things can make your workouts hard extra resistance, double speed, one more mile. Your socks shouldn't, though. That's why Bombas performance socks are built to be nothing but comfortable and supportive. G- that Philadelphia comfortable. <laughs> that mayor of Easttown. <laughs> comfortable and supportive. <laughs> hey you pay for it. this is what you get you know you get the philly tom <laughs> bombas performance socks have taken all the amazing innovations that make bombas the most comfortable socks you've ever worn and added their special hex tech performance technology bombas performance socks are stitched with special moisture wicking yarn and temperature regulating vents that allow cool air to flow in and prevent overheating they come with a pillow leg tab to save you from blisters, stay-up technology, a special arch-hugging system, and an extra layer of cushiony comfort on the bottom for the perfect amount of support. Look, all I know is that they look fantastic and they feel great. They do.
1: They um, do. All
0: that, st- that stuff about the arch and everything, they feel amazing on your foot.
1: It's like someone is hugging you. <laughs> it does. I mean, I'm not kidding. Um, you feel the support.
0: And what I love about the design is that everything, it's just the kind of sock that just snaps into place on your foot. You never never actually put it on in the wrong direction just because it's designed to slip on that way. Every point in the sock is designed for a point in your, yes, I know I left my phone on. (laughs) Every point in the sock is designed for a a corresponding point on your foot. So it just, it feels like it's molded, even though it's not, wow, they're... They're really ringing that <laughs> phone. Spam. <laughs> anyway, they come in different styles for every sport with specific design features. That. They- Help you optimize performance and keep you comfortable no matter what you're doing. And like all their socks, for every pair of Bombas performance socks you buy, they donate a pair to someone in need. They've donated over 45 million pairs so far. So go to bombas.com/tlo today and get 20% off your first order. That's b o m b a s dot com/tlo for 20% off. Bombas.com/tlo. Thank you, Bombas all right back to Jenny bevan said her name right that time hmm what did you want to you no
1: I wanted to add actually another name which is Nadia Stacy she did uh, she did the um hair and makeup yeah which also incredible the makeup is amazing it was very much influenced by she, she said John Galliano and uh, Vivian Westwood and the also very 18th century very 18th century reference with the wigs and, and right and and everything else um the hair and it's just everything everything just looked amazing most
0: of emma stone's makeup when she's all done up as cruella is a runway worthy makeup it's you know i didn't like the thing where it said the future across her face i thought that was goofy as
1: hell no i kind of like it because she's crazy (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah i guess um it was again one of those moments where it to me, I don't know. It's not a criticism. It's just my take. It's like, well, this is where punk iconography doesn't really blend all that well with a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you are correct. The the hair and makeup is stunning. I, you, if you're gonna do a Cruella movie, it you've got to really have good wigs, mm-hmm. and it, the hair was stunning in I, almost I, every I, scene.
1: I know, and and they did such a good job because there are variations of the black and white hair um and i and and emma thompson wore like a marge simpson beehive that was like four feet off her head and i looked at her hair the black and white hair and i'm like god that looks so cool and i even mentioned to you i was like i don't i don't know why that's not a trend yeah maybe it will be one. not just with black and white like different colors you know like yellow people dye their hair different colors but not i've I've never seen like half Half and and half half, and that's what i'm talking about see tiktok listen yeah Um,
0: who knows that may be the trend of the summer
1: the reason why i wanted to emphasize makeup and hair is because we we and i mean everybody in general they usually talk about costumes and they don't talk a lot about makeup and hair which is also very important no i agree uh i remember when uh ma Rainey's uh black bottom um came out i remember instagramming it and and i think a tweet also i said oh my god the makeup is insane It's just blew me away. Yeah, and um, I remembered somebody replied and said, "Really? I thought it was messy." So my 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 point is that some makeup for a movie or or a TV show is is not it's not beauty makeup it's, it's not character beauty makeup, makeup it's not YouTube channel makeup right uh it's it's a whole different thing yeah.
0: um and, of course my Ma rainy's makeup would be right. messy come on
1: and it was awesome because I I actually uh, texted the um, makeup artist uh, Sergio Lopez Rivera. And I said, my God, the makeup was so beautiful. And he, it was like a, and he replied, and it's like, oh, my God, thank you. And then they won. They, and
0: then they won, right. Yeah. And when I say, of course, her makeup would be messy, I mean, uh, based on her character. Right, she's right. she's big and large and full of, you know, she dominates every scene. She wears dresses that she's hanging out of. Right. It, it told you about the character. Right. And because it's set in the 1920s, it looked almost anachronistic. It really wasn't, though, if you look at pictures of Ma Rainey. Um. So it it it's like the shock to see someone like that. It's so weird to see hear someone say it looked messy. It's I like guess
1: the, p- the person didn't understand. They just saw all that messy makeup and and right. eye and and just thought it was. I guess because I said, my God, the makeup is gorgeous. And right. The person understood. Okay. Well, make the relation like you know, like oh, okay, maybe you mean gorgeous. What do you mean gorgeous? But right, I meant gorgeous. But the makeup <laughs> in Cruella
0: really is gorgeous. The hair and wig designs are stunning. I mean. It really seems extremely unlikely that this film doesn't receive a raft to oscar nominations for the Art Direction, right, Costume right. Design, Makeup, and I Hair. I actually
1: want to see it again when it comes out because, you know, usually screeners are not the best quality. Right. I really want to see all those colors. Yeah, that went.
0: we will have a review of it next week uh, when the embargo lifts, but I mean... We can tell you it's going to be a positive review. I will say that I watched it twice. I watched it once without really? Lorenzo. Well, yeah, I watched oh, right, it the first right, time. Right, right, right. And then I said, you know, I really want you to sit down. And you didn't want to because, because we were... Like what we
1: just said. You were yeah. like,
0: really? And I was like, I think you're going to love this. It's all fashion. And then watching it with you a second time, I was able to overcome all my cynicism about it Mm -hmm. because you were getting so excited. Oh my god. Seeing certain things and I was like, All right, I have to admit this is a lot of fun.
1: Every character is so well dressed. Right. Costume wise. Right. You know, like it's just oh my god everybody's perfect and there's a shout
0: out I gotta make there is a queer character Yes. and uh, not the quote on, not the Disney version of queer which is like we're we're gonna lightly allude I mean don't get me wrong he doesn't come out and say that he's gay.
1: No but it's not like that but
0: they do have a discussion about how tough it is to be him out in the world but because it's not he's one so, of
1: those uh, queer characters that you know people go online and like do you think he was no, gay? No he was they had a <laughs> no.
0: conversation about right. how he was you know uh, flamboyant buoyant and everything and no there was no question and speaking as someone whose antenna is always up for this thing and hates 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 when when big budget like marvel movies and disney movies tell you that they have queer characters but it's done in this in such a don't get me like i said he doesn't say the words i'm gay he doesn't make dick jokes or anything like that it is still disney but nobody not even a 10-year-old kid would put mm-hmm. uh, they know they right, would know right. that that was a gay man right. they didn't hide it and he's not a small character um he's got a great little you know couple of scenes he's fun he's and it's just this little explosion of queerness um right in the middle of a very very disney movie in a lot of right, ways right, right. so shout out to that because i really did enjoy that and i, I do you know, I expect more from Disney. I truly do. I would expect them mm. to do a frickin' gay Disney Prince movie at this at this point. But Baby Steps is the best we can accept from a company mm, like never that. I thought of that. That's a great idea, actually. Damn frickin' mm. Skippy. It's time to, like, give a oh, lead. Wow. Right? That would be awesome. I know, right? A Cinderella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but anyway uh that's that on that we're gonna leave that there and just we wanted it to be a shout out and a salute to this is what costume design is it's it's um you know it's about someone servicing a story it's about someone looking at a script and looking at the characters and um you know getting past whatever she thinks they should be and doing what they should what they would be.
1: Yeah. And what I just one more thing about this movie specifically is that usually when you do costumes, um you it's usually just about one period of you know, like one They like were the, all over the map. But they were but she was all over the map. It
0: was fifties to, yeah. to late seventies.
1: You see fifties, sixties and seventies. You you just see this blend of just right. amazing couture. Yeah. Um just beautiful. And like I said I'm always, you know, impressed by costumes, but uh, costume design in general. But in this movie, I'm like, whoa. Right. And on top of it, a shockingly good
0: soundtrack for a Disney movie. Yes, yes. yes, Like, uh, my only complaint is that there's probably a little too much music. Like, they follow one song right after another. At times, it's like, we can go without, you know, another, like a Rolling Stones song or an Tina. It's all very recognizable music. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it feels a little oppressive. But it is putting you in the time and place. Right. Um, and I, I I was like, this is so weird because it, in some ways it's very Disney. Like her two henchmen, um, they were very Disney. And the CG dogs... Right. We'll, we'll
1: talk about the movie later. I'm we're, sorry, you're right. We'll <laughs> review the movie later, the performances but and everything. The,
0: the soundtrack's amazing. Yeah. Um, anyway, let moving on, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And back to the topic of... Um, costume design. Costume design. Um, we... Um, we did a review. We've talked about Halston, uh, the man and the, the series, so much on this podcast. Mm. It almost seems inevitable that at this point we would have some a part of it devoted to the costume design. We reviewed Halston on our site and a little bit in our, in our last podcast, I think. And we had problems with the way the story was told uh, and what it tended to focus right. on. But one thing, I mean, one of the absolute best things about the series is the costume design. Um, and uh, by costume designer Jeriana San Juan and we
1: reached out to her and asked if she would sit down with us so um, it was a lot of fun it was a zoom call um, um, she could see us we could see her and it was just fun she's yeah. so sweet and she was like oh my god I, I, I finally got to see you guys Right? she was amazing and, yeah. and, and she's worked on shows like Flesh right. and
0: Bone she worked on Saturday Night Live she worked on Smash she was even a stylist on What Not to Wear um. So she has a long career. She Oh, and she also was the costume designer on one of our favorite but short-lived shows on Netflix, which was The Get Down. Yes. Which only lasted one season, but it was based in the Bronx in the late 70s at the birth of disco, I think. Well, actually, that would be the mid-70s. Um, And the costume design on that was just stunning, stunning, stunning. Mm -hmm. 70s New York streetwear. I
1: love her approach. Uh, She does a lot of research. She really goes deep. Yeah, Just
0: fantastic work. So coming up next, we're going to welcome costume designer Geriana San Juan. Hi, Geriana. Thank you for speaking with us today. I just want to start off first by saying we're huge, huge, huge fans of your work on this series. We thought you did an amazing job. Um, So I'm just going to launch right into the first question, which is, this is just me coming from my perspective, but I have to imagine getting a call for a job like this must be an absolute dream come true for a costume designer to work with uh, these iconic designs, this iconic fashion designs, and then dress these legendary figures and celebrities of a period. It must have been a, a thrill to get a job like this.
2: Uh, exactly that. I think pure joy is the answer. Truthfully, I I am born out of uh, fashion design and and came to costume design via fashion. So for me, it was just such a unique opportunity to celebrate sort of all the things I love. And, and I also sort of always had, I think I'd elevated Halston in my brain, you know, back at school at FIT as, as a god. So I really just felt like what a delicious sort of Thanksgiving dinner of of treats that I would get to do and and a chance to really celebrate design on so many levels you know seeing behind the lens sort of speak on Halston's creativity and his eye uh celebrating his fashion celebrating the fashion landscape of of the 60s 70s 80s and 90s I mean that was just that alone would have made me in my heart sing so I think I really felt like like I was just ready. I was terrified. And, um, you know, just don't fuck it up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I have to ask you, because I was reading all this stuff about that you were raised by two moms, that they actually met Halston on Fire Island. I mean, I was just like, wow, this is such a great story. And, um, you know, just the perfect uh, setup for, you know, to get a job like that, that you're going to design for Halston. Did you ask your moms about meeting Halston? Did they talk to you about that?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, they didn't have much story. You know, they don't know him personally. They just were like sort of just fans like my, you know, my, my mom's sister, uh, you know, just spotted him on the on the beach. She was like the thing at all the clubs. So, um, you know, but like I tell everybody, my, my parents are still my parents, like, like, yes, they were gay. Yes, we, we, we did pride every year. I had like, you know, queer aunts and uncles and drag queens for, you know, adopted uncles, the whole thing. But my parents were still telling me like, oh, it's not fun. We don't do drugs. You shouldn't do drugs. And, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, so my next question is about uh, this is this has always been my fascination with costume design and how it differs from fashion design. And uh, with a a project like this, uh, how do you thread that needle where you are? You have to be true to the design of the person you're, you know, true to Halston's design or whatever, or true to Liza Minnelli's aesthetic or whatever. But you also have to uh, service a cinematic need, service whatever the needs are of the director to tell the story, service the needs of the character. So how do you thread that needle between fashion design and cinematic costume design that tells a story?
2: Right. I think that's, that was, that was the challenge to me. That was like, you know, a, the blade of an ice skate hitting the ice at the right angle, you know, like that was the hardest thing because I really wanted to first and foremost, honor and tribute the man and his creativity. That was the, that was sort of became the centerpiece and, and the sort of my general theos through the whole project and what I was going to do to highlight that. And, um, you know, it really was about telling his clothes truthfully honoring them you know uh doing them accurately whether it was through vintage or or reproduction or or you know and then it was also about finding the story as a whole and still being a storyteller and a costume designer. And, and that to me was sort of where I was able to step back from the textbook a bit. You know, I, I learned everything there was to learn. I saw every photo. I, I went to the archives at Vogue. I went to the archives at Women's Wear Daily. I, you know, did, I literally went through Stanford University's, uh every poll, every um, negative that existed of Andy Warhol's personal snap of them and their life together. You know, I really went to the ends of the earth, but then I had to put it away, (laughs) step back and immerse myself in the scripts and our interpretation of that story. And what we, you know, it's five episodes. I wish it was more, I wish we could have done everything, but I really had to edit that, that legacy and that story and and first kind of find myself creating the sort of highlight reel of, of his work, you know, finding a way to, to weave all of those iconic silhouettes and those revolutionary designs that that you know made him the icon that he is, and find a ways to highlight those through the story. And then in between that, really find ways to find the highs and lows and and tell these people as, as fully realized humans and not just, you know, Liza with a Z, but, but, but you know, Liza curled up on the couch with her friend, you know? So I think like, that was really, um, a part of it that was, I think the richest part for me, because there is, it's really hard when you're doing, um, very famous people who are very well-documented because people sort of expect that. And I, I wanted to deliver like you're you're tuning into the Halston show, Halston with an H. You want to see the black turtleneck? I, I, it's there. <laughs> but also, you know, I wanted to add layers to that and and tell these people as as fully realized, you know, human beings. I think for all of the actors who are portraying these characters, these these real people, it's really um, about finding an entirety to those to those people and not just doing the sort of caricature version.
1: I think the great thing about creating costumes for someone like Halston is that it for a costume designer is that you really have to do a lot of research because we're so used to we have this idea of for example Halston based on everything we see all the pictures we see. So how did you approach finding out more about his private life, his private moments, you know in the morning waking up. I mean how do you des- how do you design costumes for that for those type of situations?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that comes in the script because, you know, we we see Halston step out of his limousine onto the carpets of Studio 54 and and, you know, and do that. But then we also have an opportunity to tell his story when he's hungover in the morning and, you know, or or when he's, you know, watching the, you know, Calvin Klein advertisement for the first time or what he wears to his own mother's funeral. I mean, there's so many moments in there too to tell that story. And, you know, I really have to, um, have to thank our du- an insanely amazing director, Dan Minahan for helping to guide that and, and, and always kind of protect that story, you know, highs and lows, because, you know, even myself, uh, you know, and, and production design and all of it, we can get so wrapped up and excited by something that, you know, we forget to, to get to those more intimate moments or more deconstructed moments. And, and he was really good about protecting that. You know, I think there was a version of, of Liza's wedding where I had sort of dressed all the guests as like characters from the wizard of Oz. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, great. But like, what else can we do?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. One of the things that really fascinates me about this, uh, this project for you is that you didn't have to just recreate like classic Halston pieces you had to create bad Halston you had to um, create the designs that he rejected you had to create the designs that the press hated like the later designs or even his earlier designs that were ignored so how do you go about designing something that um, Halston hated but it has to be part of the Halston aesthetic somehow
2: So that was the most fun to play with um, like Char White, our writer, um, or Dan on what is he going to call this? You know, there was, I mean, there was a few moments where he says like, this looks like a limp dick, or he says like, he's like he, he finds some way, to, or he says, I think to one of the first pieces in the first episode, he says, this looks like a Martian's prom dress. And I, I loved that. And I just designed something around that. I actually centered it around um, some real images of, of some, I think it might have been Givenchy uh, dress at that period that kind of resembled a bit and then I just sort of took some dramatic license. But those actually were some of the more fun moments for me. I mean, where I didn't have the world weighing on my shoulders of what, you know, if it's a thing, I, I could really take some creative license. You know, or if it's somewhere where he's veering off and you know it's not his truest, you know, voice, it it kind of gave me an opportunity to to make a making a failure is like it's like a fun, you know, joke exercise as a designer.
1: Now I'm curious for the battle of a scene. Did you have to design all the costumes for all the designers involved?
2: Oh, I did everything you see on screen.
0: <laughs> wow. So like Anne Klein and Bill bless and Yves Saint Laurent, you had to recreate all of their work. Did, now, um, did you source the actual garments, the actual designs that walked that uh, runway or were you just kind of off on your own?
2: I was uh, doing a combination. I would, I was finding, you know, I've always going to the research you know, the Versailles documentary is not that distant in history. People watched it fairly recently. So I really had to kind of nod towards what was going to be in the zeitgeist, what was going to be still echoing in people's minds that they that they know and remember from Versailles and, you know, give them the straw hats that that Anne Klein wore um, or, you know, there was this really incredible um, kind of just uh bodysuit that had like kind of a draped top to it um like that that silhouette was so iconic and and documented and you know if you google it'll be one of the first things that come up so I really had to sort of nod towards those things but then again it's sort of like you know I sort of compare it to condensing you know war and peace into a poem like I really had to take what was ultimately you know hundreds of garments on stage to reflect Bill Blasser and Klein and find a way to turn that into three looks that we would catch on camera. So that was the hardest thing is just the editing and finding the marriage of what represents her in that period, what she showed at Versailles, the the iconic points, maybe some of the more nuanced details of, of the safari look that she was going for, the or, you know, just kind of, wrap that up neatly and so there is a fair amount of creative license i have to do to to make that happen to make it look cohesive to make it look like you know a feeling within a second you know
1: so when you were recreating these looks uh, was it difficult to find what you needed textiles buttons zippers everything that was from the era
2: it was it was really um difficult <laughs> It's difficult because this period, you know, it's difficult because I was trying to, in some cases, build around a real garment. I was able to find one real Stephen Burroughs uh, ensemble that did actually walk in Versailles. However, you know, the size of it didn't necessarily fit any of our girls girls so i had to then work you know towards making that work and i really wanted to use an authentic piece so i had to kind of you know realter it a bit and, and cheat you know parts of it so that it would fit our model and then around that you know nod towards what pat cleveland wore and not nod towards uh another one of his pieces that was shown and then also find a way to make all of those colors married together you know every look so it really um It really was just sort of like, how do I wrap it up so neatly, leave an impression, do my best to light a candle towards that designer and, you know, and nod, but also, you know, just make it a party in five seconds.
0: I'm so fascinated by how you threaded that needle between you know, being true to the period, being true to the people being uh, depicted, but also finding a way to bring your own artistry and interpretation into it. And I think you did an amazing job on that. Um, now, I don't want to get too far into the weeds of like Liza, Elsa, and and that sort of thing. But uh, Liza Minnelli and Elsa Peretti were both iconic Halston women. They represented the Halston aesthetic uh, perfectly. They were They were almost legendary in that respect. So just um, from a costume design perspective, what are the broad strokes? Because they were very different women, even though they both embodied the Halston brand and the Halston aesthetic. So as a costume designer, how did you like broad strokes those two women?
2: Right. At all. Yeah. I think that was... Uh that is interesting because there are there are definitely silhouettes that are more Liza that you that you think of Liza when you think of a shape, you know, like uh, you know, a one seamed uh tunic, for example, like the, the the pajama sets that she wore feel Liza. And so I really had to sort of dedicate that to her, you know, and though there is imagery of Elsa wearing a very similar thing, I really had to be, you know, my own editor in that way and, and make sure that that silhouette was exclusively dedicated towards Liza in, in our story. Um, and Elsa really did take, she took a little bit more creative license, you know, in what she wore and she strayed a little bit more from the Halston formula, I think, because, you know, she, you know, in terms of fashion, she was, you know, her own, you know, artist as well, and, and certainly centered more of her looks around her jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, And I mean, there, I just, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed doing that with, with our Elsa and our Liza. I think, you know, they, they have very different bodies. They're very different women. And so I found myself, you know, wanting to get this tattoo, like what would Halston do because I wanted to give them both, you know, a their exclusive palette their exclusive design you know make make each woman feel like she was my favorite
0: (laughs) okay similar sort of broad strokes question because everybody has an idea about what studio 54 looks like uh and i can't I i imagine it must be an incredibly daunting thing as a costume designer to approach this iconic legendary scene that has been replicated so many times in film and television already. So how did you approach Studio 54 from a costume design perspective in a way that, you know, was true to the scene, but also kept it fresh or, you, or, you know, ways that you found new things in it?
2: I think I wanted to do dance Studio 54. I had done Studio 54 with Baz Luhrmann, and it was an entirely different experience because our interpretation of it and, and how it would live in that story was very different. And really with Dan, we went to literally, every, you know, the Intrager books, we went to everything to really, again, to study it and know it really well. And what really, what came out of that was celebrating the parties and the very kind of specific language to each one of those parties, whether it was the white party or whether it was Valentino's circus theme birthday party. And then also just filling that in with, with the real texture of it, you know, not everyone was in a sequin gown, you know, there were a lot of, you know, tank tops with no bras and jeans and a fabulous belt and a great pair of disco heels. Like that was, you know, there was a lot, a lot of that. And and Dan was really uh very very protective of that and, and ensuring that we were telling the prep story, you know, that was happening. And and so uh and it was difficult again. I think because it was also we filmed when we got to filming studio fifty four, it was during the COVID era of our production. <laughs> so, there were all these restrictions about no cigarettes and, and, you know, social distance and only a certain number of people to fill the dance floor. And so it was, it was really kind of, um, I think, you know, added an extra layer of like difficulty in trying to achieve it. You know, so I found myself when I, you know, would do like sort of Three preps for every one fantastic Reg Studio Fifty Four regular character. With that one character, I would I found myself kind of leaning towards things that really consumed space, you know, and and would find this like great vintage organza cape that had like this marabou trim and felt kind of tacky and wonderful. And and so I was just sort of like with that one girl wearing the big cape, I was like, fly, girl, fly, <laughs> like spin, make it fill the room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um okay so I uh I know that you worked with Naeem Khan on some of the costumes for this and Naeem Khan was uh, of course he's a legendary fashion designer but he was Halston's assistant back in the day so first part of the question is what was it like working with him and the second part of the question is did you bring anybody else in to consult with
2: so, um, so Char White very early on in our, in our production was able to make connections, um, in, inroads into many people who are part of Halston's real life. And so I was very privileged to be able to like, listen to some of those recorded conversations that we had with many people. And then I had my own, you know, extensions of those. I had conversations with Sassy Johnson, um, who really ran, you know, his couture clients and his made to order business. And I spoke with, uh Naeem, of course, who ultimately helped me bring some of these very signature beaded things to life, which was the most daunting thing to me in approaching it because I just thought I can't fake that. And I can't just some great 38th Street beaded fabric and call it Halston. I, I really it has to be directional with the line of the leg, directional with the line of the breast, like it has to be right. Um so so, and Naeem was so lovely in, in, in giving me not only, you know, the stories and, and some of the real details, but, you know, his, you know, those little insights into what it was like in the workroom and what were the other assistants wearing, you know, um Chris Royer, who was a A house model was featured in many of his editorials, like one of the Halstonettes um, was extremely lovely. I went to her house and and visited with her, looked at her personal archive collection of pieces that were gifted to her by Halston himself. And, you know, what she was her assemblage of of wardrobe that she was given for the China trip. I mean, literally all these clothes. And I was able to look at them inside and out and really study them, not just, you know, look at them and understand the fabrics, but the construction of them. I had brought my tailor with me on that day, actually, because I wanted him to learn, you know, the cut of the very signature collar and and all of those little those little details that I think like, you know, to me, it was always like I want. I want like real fashion people to watch this. I want Andre Leon Talley to watch this and and feel like I've done it right. And so Gino Balsamo, this incredible tailor um, who had uh, been working with Zach Posen um, and I found him through a friend of a friend who who knew Zach Posen and his business. And Gino was was a tailor who worked at Halston, and was actually the tailor who was assigned to making all of Halston's personal clothes. So um, so Gino came to my shop and and helped instruct my tailor and and I on on the exact draping and and pattern making of Halston's very signature pants. He wore these very chic no side seam pants as as legend tells it and um they're sort of based roughly off of a 1940s sailor pant and drape really beautifully they have like a a very certain swing to them when 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 he walks and um he walked us through that he walked us through exactly where the the little four inch exactly four inch waist coke pocket was (laughs)
0: Wow. Um, Okay. It looks like we're running out of time. I only have one more question to ask. So I read today, in fact, that Netflix is collaborating with the Halston brand to re-release some updated designs from the Halston Archive. And I believe you may have worked with uh, the Halston uh, designer on that.
2: I actually did not. Um, uh, I am only a part of it because it's based on the show and Netflix shared images of the show with uh with halston to create this series. Um Robert Rodriguez, who is the who is the designer behind Halston as it exists today, did call me and uh we had a lovely conversation and shared our mutual admiration for Halston. Um, but I don't um you know other than the fact that it's designed inspired by the series and um you know within that there there are a lot of places, like I said, where, you know, the designs are inspired by Halston, but maybe not, you know, out of the archive. Um, so, yeah, that's as much as I know about it.
0: But it's great that his work is being brought back into the public eye in a big way and that you had such a big hand in that, that your work uh, is the reason why it's coming back.
2: That's. I think that's the part of it that um, I'm really, I really felt like I, I held that line for myself all the way through. You know, I think the re-commercialization of his name, maybe I have, you know, some conflicted feelings about, but I really genuinely am am just grateful that people know and respect him and will will know his artistry a little better. I think the, you know, the legacy of Halston has always been to me the measure of meeting someone and, and understanding how they felt about Halston or if they personally collect Halston or if they knew him was like, Oh, you know what you do, you know, okay. You were in the club, (laughs) but like, I think that now this will, will help expand that, you know, his clothes are, or, you know, his whole archive was, was somewhat disassembled. Some of it lives with our, with Halston as it lives today. A lot of it lives with Leslie Froick, his niece, who, who has inherited his estate and is guarding it and, and loans it out to museums. Um, But I think when people come across a Halston now, you know, if they really understand it a little better and and have, you know, respect that the original Halston, it's to me, that's like the mark. That's what I was aiming to do.
0: Okay, well, Dariana, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It was a huge pleasure. And we just want to say we think you've done an amazing job of straddling that line between representing. Fashion history and also telling a story yes. and illustrating these legendary people. So, uh, an amazing job, and it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank yes. you.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. So nice to meet you,
0: Kittens. Thank you once again for joining us for another yes. coffee clatch of opinions about a bunch of things. Thank- and a special thank you to Jerry on yes. San Juan for Very sitting much. down with yes. us. Um until next week take care of yourselves we'll be back with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks and until then love you mean it Bye-bye. bye bye